Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming today. Um, and we're going to be talking about um, storytelling in Star Wars. My name is Kate, and I'm going to be your moderator. I'm the co-host of the Book Wars pod, and I'm going to let my lovely panelists introduce themselves. Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm another co-host of the Book Wars pod, and I'm super psyched to be here. I'm... Well, my mic's on, but I'm not getting any levels. <laughs> Hi, is that any better? Nope. Okay. That one worked? Okay, great. Uh, my name's Brian. I am the one of the co-founders of the Tashi Station uh, fan site and podcast network. I am also the host of Tashi Station Radio, The Mouse Droid, and of Dyson Droids. <laughs> and Kanji Cast. <laughs> uh, I'm Swara, and I'm one of the hosts of Beltway Banthas, the Star Wars and Politics podcast. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about how Lucasfilm is basically changing the game in terms of how we consume stories and how we think about stories and um, some of our favorite stories right now in the canon. But before we do that, I have a few more questions to get us going. All right, guys. Favorite Star Wars movie, go. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. The Force Awakens. The, the Last Jedi. <laughs> Star Wars character? Me? Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> what? Favorite Star Wars character? Is? What's yours? Oh, don't make me pick one. <laughs> Chris, she's the moderator. Darth Vader. Wedge Antilles. Ray. It's Ahsoka. Um, <laughs> and if you had a lightsaber, what color would it be? Yellow. Green. Double-bladed cerulean. You're fancy. All right. And finally, the most controversial question. Favorite non-Star Wars fandom? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Sorry, what was, what was the question? Your favorite non-Star Wars fandom? Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the question. Uh, Hunger Games, probably. Avatar The Last Airbender slash Legend of Korra. Sorry, I need to change my answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right shall we get going all right. let's do it all right um so as we all know for the first time um lucasfilm has employed a story group and they're making sure that everything basically lines up canonically across all kinds of different media so my first question for y'all is um what's the value do you think in telling stories this way and are there any drawbacks I mean, I'm just going to start. I think the value is really filling in the blanks of what audience, audiences may want to know more about, such as how the First Order was founded and how uh, maybe Kylo Ren came to be the way he was. We're going to get a novelization coming out called First Shot that's going to show Ben Solo as a baby with Han Solo. So it's going to give us all the feels. Uh, we can get more information about uh, what happened after Return of the Jedi, such as with Chuck Wendig's really awesome Aftermath trilogy. It shows that, hey, it's not simply that the empire was defeated and everything was yay happily ever after obviously we know that with the force awakens but rather there was a lot of chaos in the galaxy after uh the battle of endor and they had to do a whole slew of battles and uh there's a lot of chaos and it was until the battle of jakku that they really quote defeated the empire and even after that i'm sure in the intervening 30 years there will be so many stories to tell about that political period Getting consistency of storytelling, I think that that's one thing where Star Wars 
is entering a new age of every single book is going to relate back to each other, every single TV show, it's all integrated in a way that it wasn't before. Yeah, and what this, what this sort of story group era of Star Wars does is it prevents the need for a lot of spackle to cover over things that may have been, oh, that may have, uh, been overwritten by other stories in the universe, so there's a lot more cohesion there. Um, where it can be a little bit of a drawback is um, it, it, it can put limits on other mediums as to what kinds of stories they can tell, because this is always going to be a film-first franchise. Uh, they may say that you, we don't want you to look at this thing right now because we may be using it for a film later. So that's one place where it can be a little bit of a drawback. Um, one other drawback that someone's pointed out, um, Swapna Krishna is a writer for sci-fi, and she pointed out, Swar actually shared this article with me, yeah. um, she pointed it out that there's a danger in relying on the non-film media, just leaning on it to fill in plot holes or backstory. Um, do you guys agree or disagree with that point? Or yeah. how do you see... So I really like this article. Um, I believe the title of it was Star Wars Can't Rely on uh, Books to Tell a Story or something along those lines. I highly recommend everyone check it out. It's on Sci-Fi Wire. And basically her argument is that the movies need to be able to stand on their own to tell their own cohesive story. And that the books, novels, and TV shows should be for what I say in the beginning. That's sort of not extra, but still like filling in the blanks of what audiences may want to know more about the galaxy far, far away. And what she was arguing was that The Last Jedi, um, in not necessarily answering like every single question or every single confusion that audiences might have had, it didn't necessarily, uh, it wasn't necessarily guilty of that, of telling audiences to rely on the ancillary material, but rather it came, quote, dangerously close. And I think that there is value in thinking about that and understanding that each material still needs to tell its own story. And while also remembering that Star Wars is one big story with so many, many stories in it, it can almost feel overwhelming at times. But I think it's sort of good to discuss. Uh, like, Brian, for example, what did you think of this? Uh, well... That that is a great article, by the way. Uh, Swapna Krishna and uh, Preeti Chibler also do a podcast called Daisy Geek Girls, which you should all subscribe to. It's a very fantastic look into entertainment media from a Daisy perspective. Um, I I liked a lot of what uh, Swapna said in that article um, because it it uh, it gets to something that is that I think about a lot in terms of entertainment media, and that's accessibility. Um, you don't want to get to the point where you've got something put out that is intended for a mass audience, but only a small subset of the, that viewership will be able to understand everything in it. Um, the films at this point, like Swapnish said, it hasn't fully gone into that, but it has veered dangerously close, like with Phasma in particular. Um, her characterization in the film suffers a bit. Um, if you read that great novel by Delilah Dawson there, Phasma, you get a lot of backstory into her character and why she does what she does and why she acts the way she does. It would be nice to get some of that actually presented, on, uh, presented in the film itself. That's a case where you start worrying that you're relying on the ancillary materials too much. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of the contrary voice here because I, I definitely agree that there is risk with the approach that Lucasfilm is taking, and I think that Swap is like, well, did an amazing job of laying that out. But I think there's a lot of potential, too, because I think if you look at entertainment media, right now movies are 
a medium that are doing not as well as they've done in the past. Um, it's somebody has, it's not like Ethereum marked on their phone. That's what I'm <laughs> um, uh, but movies aren't doing quite as well as they've done in the past. You have the rise of, particularly with TV, we're in you know, what's in our phone, golden age of TV right now. And I think that there is definitely risk of, uh, Brian, as you said, uh, creating stories that the audience just won't get because they're not uh, consuming all of the different media. And I think that that's something that we've seen Marvel flirt with as well, with the sheer number of movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you also have the possibility for integrated stories and changing the way that media is consumed in a way that we haven't really seen from any other franchises. Because if you do have TV shows that are integrated with movies, that are integrated with books, but if they have the ability to stand on their own and just add to each other as opposed to subtracting, then that's something that's really exciting and could change the face of how we consume media and certainly how we consume Star Wars. Just want to say, I think the uh, unveiling of the Disney streaming service and the material that will be on there will be very telling on how they're going to develop the universe. Yeah, I, I do wonder if they're going to treat that streaming service uh, in a similar way to how Marvel treats Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where, yeah, it's connected, but it's mostly <laughs> its own thing that doesn't really overlap with the film universe that much. Yeah, and I'll also be interested to see, as we were talking about with Phasma being a book that, you know, just by nature of books versus movies, not as many people read, if as this integration continues to increase, if Disney and Lucasfilm are going to do more to promote some of the other media besides the movies to try and promote them specifically as adding to stories. I, I do think there is a little bit of danger in doing that um, because uh, uh, the a film audi- a film audience is much broader mm-hmm. than what's going to be consuming this ex- expanded material and I don't know if it's a, if it's necessarily fair to get to a point where. Uh, there's all, there's, might be almost an unsaid assumption that you may, you probably want to consume X, Y, and Z to also cons- to also fully enjoy this film. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, one of the benefits on the other side, maybe, this is kind of a conversation we've been having among fandom is, um, since we have so many different kinds of media now and so many different stories is that, um, there are more opportunities to bring new creators into the fandom. And so how well do we think Lucasfilm is doing that? Um, is, does it differ among the different media and who would you want to see it, creating things? Yeah, it, it definitely differs, uh, from different media touch points. Um, uh, as to highlight some of the really good, I like, Point over to Delray, uh, which is the adult fiction publishing arm uh, for Star Wars. Uh, last year, or was it last year or the year before, um, they released a book called From a Certain Point of View, which was a collection of short stories told throughout the uh, events of A New Hope, but from different character perspectives that don't, that aren't necessarily the focus of the film. Uh, the the uh, the group over at Delray brought in a ton of authors who had never written Star Wars before from a bunch of different and great backgrounds to write for this book. And some of those authors are now stepping over into uh, the publishing arm proper. Uh, Daniel Jose Older had a short story uh, in From a Certain Point of View, and he is, go- he is the author of the upcoming Last Shot, a Han Solo and Lando Calrissian novel. And I think... On potentially the other side of the coin, Lucasfilm and the uh, TV and movie arm 
are doing a little less well, I think, with it's some of the like, diversity of storytellers. It, it's right. very white, male, and glasses yeah. wearing. Yeah, and a lot of them yeah. named David. Uh, we have David yeah. Benioff and D.B. Weiss from the uh, uh, who are in charge of their own uh, series of Star Wars movies. We have Ryan Johnson, who's in charge of his new trilogy. Uh, and we have uh, John Favreau, who is going to be who, uh, executive producing yeah. the, uh, one of the new Star Wars TV shows that's going to be coming out, which is a, a great lineup, don't get me right. wrong, but it is a lineup that uh, all come from similar perspectives of being white men who have worked in, sci- in sci-fi television before. Lucasfilm has talked about wanting to diversify their lineup of creators, getting different perspectives in there, getting different voices in uh, behind the screen in addition to in front of it. Right. And we have not seen a lot of that yet. And I think that that's one area where there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, especially on that front, uh, it's time for Lucasfilm to either put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, especially when you look over at Marvel and you see that they've got the Ryan Kuglers in there just doing gangbusters with Black Panther. Uh, the, the notion that, uh, no one, no one that isn't a white male is ready to do yeah. this. It it rings so very hollow. Yeah, and we just want to like really emphasize that we think these creators are brilliant. We think that they've done fantastic work overall, and this is the reason they're getting the job. But it's a problem when your creators still look all almost exactly the same, and it's only coming from one specific demographic, and it's not giving those opportunities to those who have been excluded for so long. And diversity and inclusion behind the camera matters. While, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier that in the publishing world, there is, like, greater diversity, especially with someone like Daniel Jose Older or Claudia Gray, but... We have to remember that when it comes to diversity and representation, often, I mean, I can at least speak for myself, what really, almost like what gets the most attention really is the screen. It's the movies, it's TV, it's the uh, actors you'll be casting. And this is why, for example, I love the sequel trilogy so much. Besides it being a fantastic story, in my opinion, the diversity, the inclusion there, you know, having a black stormtrooper, having Ray as our main hero and having a Latino uh, resistance leader. It's all fantastic. But at the same time, you're not laying a lot of diversity behind the scenes. And I feel I feel like that's ultimately going to affect the storytelling. Yeah, it's the, those... The behind-the-camera people are the ones who ultimately shape what is presented on screen. And getting those diverse voices and filters behind the camera is ultimately going to influence the kind of story that is told and can influence it to be a story that will connect with an audience that's never had something had this resonance in this universe before yeah and, and i think that that to kind of get back to your original question kate i think that's part of the excitement of all the different star wars media that's happening right now there's so many opportunities for different creators we have who knows how many more movies coming out we've know for a fact that there's that John Favreau is producing one of the TV shows. We don't know who's writing it or who's going to be some of the directors behind it. We don't know what the next Star Wars animation TV show is going to be. There's a lot of different opportunities to get people involved. Uh, I think, Brian, you said it perfectly, it's time for Lucasfilm to put up our shut off and actually start hiring some people. I just want to say, it was kind of hilarious how they announced John Favreau first off, they announced him on International Women's Day. Mm. So Yeah, so like 
there's the optics there, but also in their announcement, and I think it was Kathleen Kennedy herself who said this, that he is definitely going to work with a uh, diverse group of creators and, you know, you can uh, uh, talk the talk, uh, Kathy, but you got to walk the walk as well. <laughs> All right. We're going to move away from the heavy stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess this is more of a question for Brian and Suara because Chris, you haven't read a lot of the um, original extended universe uh -oh. now, now uh -oh. known as Legends. So I am I, not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to ask, how does the current canon feel different from the EU? Um, Brian will go on for half an hour now. Uh, <laughs> it's. In some ways, it's similar. Um, a, a lot of the best of the old Legends universe focused on characters that weren't the main screen characters. It's a big reason I love Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series so much, is it reminds me of my favorite series of Star Wars novels ever, the X-Wing series. Um, yes! A lot of love for that one here. Um, but in other ways, it is different uh, because... In Legends, literature pretty much had the run of the mill from everything Return of the Jedi onwards. Uh, and that is a big reason they had to end cap it and call it Legends, because that's the film's territory now, and yeah. the film, we're, this is a film first franchise. Um, so what, what, uh, what kind of new canon literature is doing now is it is kind of filling in some of the gaps and telling stories in more constrained spaces, which for me, I like, um, because that gets things a lot more character focused. Uh, that's a big reason Phasma is so great because it focuses on that, on a couple of characters in there. Um, that's a big reason the Aftermath trilogy is so great because you're focusing on a band of characters that are telling their own constrained story. It's fantastic. Um, Another thing is that it tends to get itself in less trouble with uh, film and TV overwriting stuff it's done. Um, and that's part of the story group influence saying, yeah, you can, you might want to stay away from this. Um, but yeah, it's the same, but it's different. How's that for a cop-out answer? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as a kid, I absolutely loved uh, reading Legends books. I think I read maybe a 100 uh, from all over the place. My main favorite series was actually New Jedi Order, and then I got like halfway through Legacy of the Force, but I just couldn't do it anymore. And, uh, it, I, you know, it's funny because I feel like the books I was selecting as a kid were the ones that specifically filled in blanks I wanted to know more about the characters. And for that reason as well. I read a lot of the um, film novelizations. The Re uh, Revenge of the Sith novelization is really fantastic. I highly recommend it. And uh, the difference uh, for me now, uh, I totally agree with you, Brian, it is so much more character focused in either the side characters or char even main characters that we didn't get to know a lot about. Uh, my favorite novels are Leia, Princess of Alderaan and Bloodline, both written by Claudia Gray about our beloved princess slash general slash senator Leia and what she has to go through. And even though Leia is so iconic in the films, ultimately we don't really get much time with her. We don't really get to explore her psyche anywhere near as much as we do um, Luke or even Han to some degree. And yeah, so that's why I really like the novels right now. And I just got to say, so one of my favorite podcasts is Rogue Podron. Highly recommend. It's a fantastic podcast that reads old Legends novels. And they recently did, the last one they did was The Courtship of Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, 
like I, you know, it was the first time I read along with it because like I heard that, oh, this is such a ridiculous book. And um, when I finished, I'm just going to be honest, okay? When I finished the book, I threw it across the room <laughs> because it was so terrible. It was so... It, you know, reading that book made me say, thank God Legends is no longer canon. Let, let's put, let's contextualize Courtship of Princess Leia this way. Uh, at one point, C-3PO sings a song called The Virtues of King Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen things. It's not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, we're, we're also going to start taking um, audience questions. And remember, if it's more than two sentences, it's not a question, it's a comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Rogue One brought in a character Saw is interesting because Saw had a pretty contained story uh, in the Clone Wars. It was it was a lot easier to port him into a film, especially one that was closer to when the Clone Wars was set, than it would be Ahsoka, who has yeah. Take a look at her wiki sometime and see how much stuff is there. Um, there's a lot of backstory to bring in there, and I'm not sure if you could bring her into an episodic film especially, um, but even a standalone, unless it is a standalone entirely about yeah. her. Yeah. I'm not sure if you could make it work. Yeah, like, for film audiences, I think it would make no sense. They would be asking, who is this awesome, badass, non-Jedi? Who? Where was she during the original trilogy? Where was she? Yeah, where were you when planets were blowing up? Yeah, and it's, and it's like, I feel like the, you know, I feel in that answer with my own headcan is that, oh, she had to do some weird force stuff, like in the background or something. But and I feel like especially if you watch like Clone Wars and Rebels, you get more of that. But again, you can't expect like a film audience to understand that. And it's the unfortunate truth, but it's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, I, I love Ahsoka, but it would be hard to get her into a feature film. And this, again, kind of goes back to our, our different levels of optimism with the first question. I think it would be amazing. I, I like, you, like you two, I worry that it would be hard, but I do think that done the right way, there are really great opportunities to bring in more characters. And yeah. if you look at characters like Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, who has yes. a yeah. but could yes. be explained fairly quickly and yeah. uh, in in a film, I think that backstory. Yeah, Hera would be a lot easier than Ahsoka to get into a film. Um, but it, it, com- it comes back to something I talked about a little earlier, which is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um the more backstory you already have on that character, the less accessible it's going to be to get them into a into a, into a mainstream film. I mean, then she would have to be a side character, I think, like, and yeah. not have the main plot her. And also, like, Hera is amazing. In my opinion, the best character of Rebels. She's amazing. Go watch Rebels if you haven't, if only for Hera. <laughs> yes. Got this question. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear the second half of that. Why, why did Captain Phasma become evil and... Is she going to be in Solo? Oh, is she going to be in Solo? 
BB-8, yes, I want more than anything else in my life now to hear BB-8 <laughs> sing the virtues of King Han Solo. Um, as, for, as for why Phasma is evil, uh, it's described in that book over there, Phasma, by, again, by Delilah Dawson. Um, sh- have you ever seen the movie Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of how Phasma grew up. Uh, so it's kind kind of what happened there. Yeah, I think basically without without spoiling it too much, I think what we'll say is she was born in really difficult circumstances and had to fight a lot to survive, and that made her fit in very well with the first order. Mm-hmm. Way in the back. Okay, so I've, I've got an easy answer for this. Does everyone have the same answer? Uh, it's Ray Sloan. Yeah, Ray Sloan is from a few different books and comic books now and still has not made it into the film uh, series, but you should all read The Aftermath Trilogy by Chuck Wendig. You should read A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller uh, to be acquainted with uh, the... Admiral, who will become your favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah, been in Rebels. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree on Ray Sloan. I'm going to give a little shout-out to our moderator, also Dr. Afra. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, all the way in the back. Okay, so, so, so the question is, who were the Inquisitors, and what made them so dark and violent? Yeah, yeah mind if I... T- like, in the old Legends universe, you had uh, a group of elite assassins for the Emperor called the Emperor's Hand, or the Emperor's Hands. Mara Jade was one of them, and she went on to become Luke Skywalker's wife in the Legends universe. So, like, when I saw the Inquisitors, I just thought, okay, they're basically like the Emperor's Hands. They're these Force users who aren't necessarily Sith, because there can only be two Sith, but they are honed in their skills to... Um, carry out the emperor and darth vader's wills and as we see during rebels um or actually sorry you guys want to go on ahead with this I was, forget about the rebels i was about to get into spoiler territory my bad um i think just in general they're sort of force adepts that have been scouted out and recruited to the imperial cause um that i can't uh I'm not sure if we have a whole lot more backstory, official backstory behind it than that. Oh, also, uh, you should check out the Vader comic. Like, yeah, the current current run. Uh, Yes. Favorite characters from the new canon books. Okay, I think we can probably just go down the line on this one, starting with our moderator. What? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> you're not supposed to put me on the spot. I'm sorry. Good job. Here, go the other way. Okay. Uh, from the books and comics specifically? Oh man, this is rough. Uh, okay, well, my favorite uh, book is uh, Princess of Aldron. Okay, you know, I'm just going to say it, like, because I was introduced to her in the book. Um, uh, Amelyn Holdo. 
You know, I know she's a film character, but I love her so much in the book. So, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a good answer. Uh, Sindra Rathavelis from the... Uh, yeah, I know. From the uh, Aftermath trilogy. Uh, Greer Sondheim from The Line. Ooh, good answer. Um, I, have, I have two answers. Mr. Bones, because yes. I am Mr. Yes. Bones. And... <laughs> And up, uh, yes. I and and Ransom Castorfo from <laughs> yes, yes. You there's yes. Some, there's a hat. There's some on the side. Uh, Tag and Bink uh, are making a perhaps a little bit of a jump to a feature film in solo. Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard or someone tweeted something along those lines alluding to it. Yeah, it was Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, you back there. In the gray shirt? Yeah. Okay, so old, old, old Republic stuff. Will Lucasfilm touch on that? Um, nothing definitive uh, that they have said publicly, but it's always a possibility. I personally hope they do. As someone who's yeah. read a lot of Legends, that's an area that I want to learn more about. Um, and I think that that's an area that's really ripe to bring a lot of new people into like the Star Wars game. Yeah. Uh, I'll warn that Knights of the Old Republic will never just be wholesale ported over. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, Bria. <laughs> what, what Legends character should be the next to make the jump to canon? I've got, uh, an, I've got an answer if no one else does yet. Uh, go for it. I'm still thinking. <laughs> Tycho Selchu. Because uh, I played as his character so much. Oh wait, no wait, I know Bastila Sean. Pass. Aww. Read very little legends. You who gave the question over. <laughs> mm. Okay, like. I think, like, this very specific case of, as you described it, oh, yeah, it, it basically is time travel. Like, oh, Dave Filoni. Um, <laughs> like, uh, hey, buddy. So I am very confident, genuinely, that it is a one-off, that they established the rules of it in the episode that is not going to be explored any further. If they did, if they did allow it to become something that, just any other force user was using people. I mean, I genu I would be deathly afraid of that. And I genuinely think it would degrade a lot of the storytelling, the compact storytelling, you know, like having a beginning, middle and end. And you open Star Wars up to becoming like Doctor Who, a show which I know many people love. I used to be a fan myself, but I stopped watching because I was, I was like, this makes no sense. <laughs> I, I just can't deal with this anymore. And I, so no, it should yeah. not be touched ever again. For, for the sake of narrative cohesion, I, pull, I hope it pulls a Chuck Cunningham from Happy Days and just descends the staircase and is never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really, playing with fire is a good way to describe it. I think it's, it was cool, and I, I'm a big Rebels fan, and I actually really liked that episode. 
Um, so I think it worked in that specific scenario, and we should leave it at that. Um, you here in the front. Okay, I need to talk about the Rex thing for a bit in episode six. I very much hope that isn't true because I am not okay whitewashing whitewashing Rex as being a white guy from that movie. So I hope that one doesn't happen. Yeah, like, um, I agree with that, Brian, 100%. And, uh, but, like, for other characters, uh, I think Hera, again, Hera, mm-hmm. I definitely want to see more yeah. of her in the films. I think it makes sense. She's a rebellion general. Uh, she could be in the resist. You know, she is in the resistance. Of course she is. She's like, off with the ghost somewhere doing advanced recon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. Questions, you <laughs> poor person who's been sitting here very patiently. We're sorry. <laughs> what do we think of Snoke after The Last Jedi? I want to know more. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's still a lot of potential around that character and learning. Yeah where that character is from and potentially if there are more like him. Um, but yes, I, I want to know much more. There's going to be a Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy series at some <laughs> point where that's going to get dived into. No, that would be... And it ends I'm them sorry, all dying. I, I think Snoke was a bad dude from the Unknown Regions. We'll probably get some sort of book or, I don't know, maybe something else with him and... Yeah, he's just a bad dude from the unknown regions, and that, that's personally enough for yeah. me. I understand why it isn't for others, but yeah, that's where I am. If they do anything with it, it's probably going to be in the literature or comic sphere, is going to be my guess. Yes, sir? Where would you like to see Jason Sandula? Book, comic, or cartoon? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I feel like that'd be an area where TV show could be a really interesting way to go with it since he's a character that was introduced in Star Wars Rebels, uh, kind of passing towards to a new generation. I'm going to make a lot of enemies today and say constrict it to comics or literature because animated television needs to make a break and needs to start with something new that's accessible for a younger audience. Yeah, as much as I love Jason Sindula, I actually have to agree with that because I love Rebels, but it, like, as someone who didn't watch Clone Wars when it was coming out, it honestly annoyed the hell out of me when like there was a reference to something in Clone Wars that I didn't get, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of new fans didn't get, and just like, no more of that, please. Just like new characters, new stories, make it accessible, please. Rude. I'm sorry. Do y'all like it when <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. So, do, do you like it? Do you like it when char- characters in a book are force gumping through Star Wars history? I am. My fandom origin story is fan fiction, so there is a guilty part of me that just freaking adores it. <laughs> I yeah. think yeah. it's one of those things that's hard to do well. I think there are really great examples within 
the new Star Wars canon that do it really, really well. I, I think you said Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, which I think any if anyone's looking for a good entrance into the new Star Wars canon, and as long as you've seen the original trilogy, you will uh, you will like Lost Stars and you will understand what's happening. It needs because a sequel. It needs a sequel. I agree. Uh, but so I think there are good, really good ways to do it. I think we're going to do one or two more before we do the raffle. You, sir. Earlier you talked about um, the need for diversity behind the scenes. So kids right now, teenagers, 20-somethings are thinking about this. What advice do you have for them to break into that Oh, wow. I am not a creative, so I'm not in a great position to answer this, like but... Literally, everyone looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in here, I think encourage your kid the kids to create on their own um i know people who got into comics industry through fan art through like do, going on deviant art and just producing and like making it their initially their side hustle or maybe making their own comics and maybe doing their own writing i think that there needs to be a lot of encouragement and the thing is the they are already doing that the talent is out there it's just unfortunately like these big studios and these big uh, production companies like don't necessarily always look for that. And there is still like that sort of gatekeeping going on and it's a problem. Um, I can probably answer part of this question a little bit, but um, one of the great things right going on right now is that there are a lot of um, workshops and classes um, specifically geared toward people of color. And I would encourage them to definitely take advantage of that, make contacts, just, Keep hustling. <laughs> yes. Yes. But there aren't a ton of them. It, there's a one-off hero, one-off there, but they're not really building on that universe. Do you think that's a mistake for them and not building that younger fan base? Or, you know, so much of Star Wars fans right now are people who are adults from the, yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. the original trilogy. Yeah. How do you build that new base and can we do that with <clears throat> It, it definitely is tricky because just of the realities of publishing schedules and just how much content they can get out in a given year. Um, the, I will say that the young adult output in Star Wars is exponentially higher than it was, um, prior to the, uh, Disney purchase of Lucasfilm. Um, I imagine it's going to increase a little bit more, but, um, I, it's, the, the production realities there are just not something I'm very well equipped to say, yeah, they're definitively making a mistake, or if it's just they're doing, they're putting out everything they can at this juncture. But I really love like what you brought up about young adult literature, which often gets so maligned and often is like disregarded, like compared to the quote adult novels. And really, like the people driving the Star Wars fandom right now, I've found in a lot of ways. And you know, it's everyone, but in particular, I've seen like teenagers, teenage girls who are like you know getting into fandom now and who love this young adult <laughs> literature, and it's so powerful. And I think that really needs to be encouraged and celebrated overall. So thank you for bringing that up. And I. Totally agree with you. I would love to see YA novels that are not just young Leia or young Ahsoka yes. mm -hmm. or Agreed. young Padme. I know has been rumored, but not, never confirmed. I, I want to see original characters in young adult the way that we're seeing original characters in the adult books as well. All right. I think we're going to do the raffle now, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's give away some stuff. Yeah.